0: I was sitting at a petrol station last night and was coming and oh, mother of God the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes.
1: They are That mad. was the one lad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're mental about it. Yeah. Don't go to I rock. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The news Round on
2: off the
1: ball. With Gillette, we don't just play the game, we change it. Gillette. Made of what matters.
3: This is News Talk. Welcome along to Thursday nights off the ball Will O'Callaghan here with you We're looking forward to commentary at a quarter to eight On the Republic of Ireland against Norway The first of two friendlies in this international window Malta on Sunday All preparation for next March's qualifiers for the European Championships Now, players like Will Smallbone, Evan Ferguson, Mark Sykes, Liam Scales Could all win their first Ireland caps tonight Nathan Murphy will be alongside Stewie Byrne for commentary at a quarter to eight Nathan is with us from the Viva Stadium now Nathan, how are you getting on? How's it going, Will? Looking at the team which has been named, Stephen Kenny did say yesterday he vowed to pick a pretty strong team and maybe opportunities will come from the bench. Probably the standout here Callum O'Dowda in for his first start In a couple of years
0: Yeah The friendly against England At Wembley two years ago Was the last time Callum O'Dowda started For the Republic of Ireland He's a player who started Stephen Kenny's first two games In charge uh, But has struggled for form And for fitness In recent times But gets a start This evening Ireland without Troy power through injury And Jason Knight Who wasn't released By his club Derby County For this fixture So O'Dowda gets in Ahead of Chidozi of Bena. And we'll play alongside Callum Robinson and Michael Obafemi in the Irish attack. We think, or he may well play as a left wing back because the two players who we felt were fighting it out for that left wing spot, James McLean and Robbie Brady, who started the last game and was the match winner against Armenia. Both of those are left on the bench. Uh, the Irish team then, if we are looking at it as the usual 3-4-3, three, three, is Gavin Bizunu in gold. The back three of Nathan Collins, the captain John Egan and Dara O'Shea. It may well be Alan Brown at right wing back with Matt Doherty on the left. Josh Cullen and Jason Malumbi in the middle of midfield and O'Dowda and Robinson behind Obafemi. Uh, there is the possibility as well that they play Doherty on the right, O'Dowda on the left and Alan Brown in the more advanced role.
3: The potential is there uh, for those players I mentioned uh, to come on and potentially win their first caps as well Nathan particularly I suppose probably a lot of focus on Evan Ferguson the job he could potentially do uh, holding the ball up for the senior side now having done that role quite well with the 21s
0: Yeah it'll be interesting if he gets a run out tonight if he was to score tonight or on Sunday against Malta, he'd be the Republic of Ireland's youngest ever goal scorer 18 year old Evan Ferguson, who hasn't seen any first team football in the Premier League this season for Brighton, but did get a few minutes last season and has been involved around the EFL Cup. He is a player with enormous potential that has been spoken about for years. So do not be surprised to see him over the next couple of matches. Tonight, I think, is the game that Stephen Kenny will be taking more seriously in terms of team selection. Sunday, there should be more room for experimentation. It is a bit of a surprise that neither Brady or McLean start uh, this evening's game, but maybe he just wants to try something a little bit different. Uh, another player on the bench looking to make his debut this evening as well is Will Smallbone of Stoke who's also done very well with the 21s. So I think we're past the real transitionary period of Stephen Kenny's side but in international football there's always new talents there's always new players emerging and maybe in years to come we'll all be talking about the night we were at Lansdowne Road when Evan Ferguson made his debut.
3: Yeah, the feeling when it comes to Smallbone in particular and Connor Coventry was that Stephen Kenny was insistent because of how well their European Championship qualified campaign was going with the 21s he wanted to leave them be until after that I would kind of always strongly indicated he wanted to bring them in for this window Um, in this case Smallbone is going to get blooded at some point over the next two games
0: Yeah, I've no doubt that he will and it's into an area that there is a lot of competition for places with the Republic of Ireland at the moment. Jeff Hendrick, once again, among the substitutes. I mentioned that Jason Knight isn't involved this evening because he's still back with his club. Both of those would feel that they're very close to the first team as well. Jamie McGrath is another interesting one who's back in the mix and a couple of players touched on his... Struggles over the last year in their press conferences during the week. Jamie McGrath, remember, started some of the most important games of the World Cup qualification against Portugal, against Serbia. His move then to Wigan didn't work out at all, wasn't getting any game time and rather than just being kept in the squad, was dropped from the squad completely uh, for recent games. Now he's back playing with Dundee United, so he's back in. So a lot of the players, I think, wary that if they were to drop out of a form for their club and lose their place that they might find their spot at international level under threat as well but this should be a good test for Ireland friendlies true friendlies are a real rare thing at this stage, we know that there's an importance attached to the Nations League and it's a tournament that Ireland have quite often struggled in, so How much stock Stephen Kenny puts in the result of this, I'm not sure. But I think it's one of those nights where he can't afford for anything to go horribly wrong. And likewise on Sunday, Uh, while there is some credit in the bank and there's certainly a contract in the back pocket. We all know France are coming in the next home game at this stadium in March. Will they be coming as the world champions? Who knows, but it is an incredibly talented French squad that's going to come to start the Euro 2024 qualifiers. So this is a big night for a lot of these players to show Stephen Kenny, maybe their only opportunity to show that they should be in the mix for a starting place in that team.
3: And when it comes to Norway for tonight look I think some people were probably disappointed last Sunday evening when it was confirmed that Erling Haaland
0: I'd say more than some people
3: Yeah I'd say a lot of people who probably bought tickets for tonight were unhappy when it was announced he wasn't going to be coming over but still a strong team they've picked Martin Odegaard's going to captain them tonight
0: Yeah he is and Martin Odegaard has been one of the star players in the Premier League alongside Erling Haaland this season scored twice for Arsenal at the weekend a captain of club captain of country still only 23 years of age it's hard to believe considering how long we've been talking about him almost a decade since he made his first start back in Norwegian football I remember watching him out in Tala about 4 years ago for the Norwegian under 21s and at that stage he was Still at Real Madrid, but he'd been going out on loan, and there was a real sense, maybe, of an unfulfilled talent. But it shows just how harsh we can be on young players and how impatient we can be with their development, because he has most certainly arrived now. There's no doubt, though, that Norway. With Haaland, without Haaland, are a very different team. He has 21 goals in his 23 international appearances. They're not going to the World Cup Finals. They had a disappointing Nations League campaign as well, didn't top their group, ended up finishing behind Serbia in that they were in with Turkey and the Netherlands in their qualification campaign. They will certainly expect with Odegaard and with Haaland that they will be qualifying for lots and lots of tournaments over the coming years but there's other good young players in there Leo Ostergaard the defender is playing his club football at League. there's a couple of players from Bodo Glimt who had such an impressive Europa League campaign starting Mohamed Elianoussi another familiar name who's playing his club football with Southampton But Erling Haaland is without doubt the star turn, saying up at about 47,000 tickets sold for tonight's game. Ticket sales have been incredible uh, since the end of COVID for Stephen Kenny's team. I'm not sure we'll have quite that. I'd imagine people uh, looked at the five degrees, the bitterly cold November night, and no Erling Haaland to bring the kids along to, and maybe they changed their mind. But I'd say it'll still be a substantial up towards 40,000, which for a friendly couple of days out from a World Cup finals that Ireland aren't competing in is pretty impressive.
3: Definitely. Back over to Nathan and Stewie in plenty of time for kickoff at 7.45. Delighted to say, Richie McCormick is here as well. Richie, how are you getting on? Evening, William. How are you? I'm good. What do you expect now? This I mean, two strong teams have now been picked. I wonder, after Haaland was out, how this uh, game was going to shape up. You know, the friendly, as Nathan mentioned, outside the Nations League window feels a little bit different now, especially a couple of days out from the World Cup Finals. But uh, this might actually be set up for the worst game.
2: It mightn't be the worst game, but I don't think anybody, uh, unless it's an unmitigated disaster and we're talking about a 6-0 loss in two hours time, I, I, you would struggle to probably remember this game. Like we mentioned on the show last night, that there's been three friendlies between Ireland and Norway since that uh, awful game in Giants Stadium in 94 and nobody could remember any of them. And similarly, I don't think anybody is going to come away uh, with any great memories of this one. But by all means, stay tuned uh, for live commentary, which is on the way with Stewie and Nathan, of course. Uh, from 7.45. It's just like, it's its difficult to know. You look at the starting 11 and it's very much, you know, as you were, there's little given over to chance by Stephen Kenny for uh, tonight's game. And you can kind of see why they've talked innumerable times in the week uh, about momentum and building momentum for March. And they would see Norway as a team who would be in and around their level, albeit they do have two players who show what uh, lifting an average side can do. I mean, without Martin Odegaard and without... Uh, Erling Haaland, they would be something approximating uh, Ireland, uh, maybe a little bit above us, but regardless, in and around that same kind of level. Uh, but Ireland wanted to put up a decent performance tonight. And they want to show that they can compete with the likes of Norway when it comes to qualification for the World Cup and qualification for the European Championships and indeed uh, Nations League Championships beyond that as well. Um, but it's very hard to get really wound up and excited about tonight's game.
3: Look, you call it an awful game. I call it a glorious stalemate which saw Ireland qualify in USA 94. (laughs) I didn't particularly care about the actual content on the pitch that day. The one point to qualify was all that really mattered. Now, the news round is brought to you Mm. with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent Mo. You can sign up to donate now at movember.com. Uh, Team news of a different variety we might just uh, kick things off in the newsroom with uh, Richie Andy Farrell totally expected there was going to be a lot of changes from the game against Fiji last week as Ireland go back to close enough to full strength for this game with the Wallabies at the weekend
2: yeah, eight in total uh, regarding those changes from the side that beat Fiji so unconvincingly last week. Captain Jonathan Sexton starts at out half in place of the injured Joey Carberry. Jimmy O'Brien switches to the wing replacing Robert Balacoon with Hugo Keenan installed at fullback. Stuart McCloskey starts for the third game running and he's partnered in the centre by Gary Ringrose. In the front row Andrew Porter and Dan Sheehan come in for Jeremy Lockman and Rob Herring. James Ryan returns to the second row. Caelan Doris switches to number eight with Peter O'Mahony and Josh van der Flyer on the flanks. Bundiaki comes make a first appearance of the autumn off the bench as he returns from suspension and there's also room for uncapped Leinster lock John McCarthy. Wallabies head coach Dave Rennie has made 10 changes to the side beaten by Italy by a point last week in Florence. Captain James Slipper is back at loose head for what will be his 126th cap in a pack that's almost identical perhaps crucially to the one that helped run France so close in Paris a fortnight ago and Andy Farrell says Australia will come to town highly motivated.
3: There are a couple of things to Hand the hat, hats on, haven't they? In regards to motivation, etc. Um, but in reality, you know, ten changes uh, for them, and you know, I suppose they 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 get the leaders back in the room, so there's a there's a different vibe there straight from the start. And those guys are the ones that took the field against Scotland and um, came so close to to winning in Paris. And like we've said um, all week, we know how difficult that is. So. Um, you know, I'm sure that they were using uh, last week as motivation and obviously um, putting that together with coming to the Aviva and, and taking uh, our scalp, I'm sure that, that fires them up even more. Rich, I kind of like the psychology uh, being used there by Andy Farrell. So we're motivated by the fact that our opponents are going to be motivated by their second choice team being beaten last week.
2: Who motivates the motivators, Will? That's the question. Who motivates the motivators? Um, It is an interesting tag. I think the one that's probably crucial, uh, and it's something that's been, I think, Dan Sheen highlighted it. I think uh, Jonathan Sexton did as well. I think Farrell earlier on the week, too, they mentioned how they want to go beyond what they achieved against South Africa at the start of this autumn series and go above and beyond in terms of performance against the Wallabies because they're so... Uh, downhearted by what they put forward against Fiji last week, that they really need to... They they shy away from using terms like finishing on a high, but they certainly want to prove a point uh, with their last game ahead of what will be uh, the Six Nations and with a week beyond this where other international teams are, are still playing. We'll mention that in a moment. Um, but yeah, for I, I, there, there is a simmering sense that they will go out and like, they are hurting probably as much, if not more, from the manner of their performance against Fiji as Australia were in their defeat against Italy because they really feel, and there is that sense coming from the camp, that they let themselves down a lot last week against Fiji and they want to make amends for that. And if you're the number one team wanting to make amends, uh, that could result in a really exemplary performance, but sure, we'll see on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I think that potential home joint record probably matters a little bit to them as well. It'll be 12 unbeaten at home at the Aviva Stadium, which is a joint records uh, run if they can avoid defeat against Australia at the weekend. Now, if you listen to Richie on Rugby Daily, you've been getting lots of news about suspensions Great uh, sell, Will. on the podcast today. But tell us about the most important one, which is Razi Erasmus has yeah. talked himself into a ban.
2: Yeah, pretty unsurprising this. Razzy Erasmus has been handed a ban by World Rugby following his recent social media activity. The Springboks director of rugby tweeted a series of clips from last week's defeat to France, highlighting disciplinary issues and the performance of referee Wayne Barnes. Erasmus claimed this week that his tweets were not for the consumption of anyone but South Africa fans and has since urged those fans not to abuse Barnes but he'll play no part in this week's test with Italy nor the following week's outing against England. He also can't indulge in any media or social media that pertains to match officials.
3: I quite like the suggestion that his Twitter comments were purely for South African fans to consume and digest, and that's where it begins and ends. Maybe he needs to use Twitter circles, Richie, and just set it up that only South African fans can actually see the tweets. Razzie Rasmus strikes me as somebody who
2: would benefit hugely from somewhere like Discord or Telegram, where he can just basically, uh, uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Just look after who's going to be in his his circles and who's going to be actually consuming his social media. Because if he doesn't know how Twitter works by now, I'd worry about him, (laughs) especially if he's going to be something like director of rugby for one of the best test nations in the world. Uh, But the other side of me, you know, knows essentially that he knows what he's doing with all of this, and is ultimately going to pay the price. And I think he's just been testing the boundaries of what World Rugby will actually accept. I would suggest that, it, like in the circumstances, a two-game ban probably see like given the fact that he's had to create this week, it feels and very lenient. Tell fans to stop, yeah, to stop abusing Wayne Barnes. Like he knows what he's done here. Uh, World Rugby know what he's done, and they can like they literally they can see it in real time two games, the, the, the work for them, like coaches will always tell you um, there's nothing they can much do during the course of a game to change the direction of it because all the work has been done in the lead up to the game. He's prepared this team to face Italy and suddenly he's just not going to be involved and that's going to make a difference somehow against Italy at the weekend. That's, that's nonsense. Uh, but even in itself two games seems really, really lenient for what he's indulged in. And the fact that it's a second offence within the space of 18 months or whatever it will be now at this stage, like it's not good. It's not a good look and it it's it's reckless, it's irresponsible. Um, and needs serious looking after from World Rugby and, and he probably needs a, more than a stern talking to at this stage
3: yeah first time in a while South African fans appear to have turned a little bit on this too they didn't seem to mind it happening during the Lions and almost laughed it off to a certain extent and now it's here's our director of rugby after getting another two game suspension for him being stupid on social media and trying to make a point to World Rugby anyway Cork City look like they're moving towards a sale now it would have to be approved by the Forest Group but their club board yeah. have suggested they should do so
2: Yeah, the Cork City board have accepted a bid, they say, from Dublin businessman, Dermot Usher the sale of the club as you mentioned is subject to a vote by the Forest Group of supporters who currently own the club a simple majority is required in next month's vote to get this sale over the line Usher has been behind the sunus Bathrooms company and claims his proposed purchase of Cork City is an exciting opportunity for
3: everyone involved Yep always the suggestion when someone's coming in to buy a club anyway Rory McIlroy bit off the pace after day one we're coming to the end of the European Tour season with the DP World Tour Championship
2: Yeah, I think both he and Shane Larry wanted to finish on a high this week. Doesn't look like, at least after the first round, that it's going to go their way. McIlroy, six shots off the lead following a one-under par round of 71 at the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai. Shane Larry ended the day two shots worse off, He's on one over the English tandem of Terrell Hatton and Matt Fitzpatrick jointly lead in Dubai on seven under par. While on the PGA tour at the moment, Seamus Power is three under par with five to play of his opening round at the RSM Classic. He had a ropey beginning. He was one over par through his first four there. Uh, The brilliantly named Cole Hammer is the leader in Georgia on nine under par. The American has three holes left to play and he is at three clear of the uh, fellow uh, American and similarly brilliantly named Bo Hostler.
3: I love it. Uh, League of Ireland manager situation. On, so good. We have had the ex Wexford manager go to Bray and now the former assistant yep. at Bray replace him at Wexford.
2: Yeah, the managerial merry-go-round keeps on spinning in the SSE Electricity First Division. Ex Longford and Bray coach James Keddy is the new man in charge at Wexford. He replaces Ian Ryan, who stepped down before taking on the job of Bray manager earlier this week.
3: Right. I get the feeling you're not going to sit down and watch Cristiano Ronaldo meets Piers part two in about 40 minutes time.
2: Oh, God. Do you know what? I watched the first half last night Mm -hmm. and it sucked the life out of me. It like it genuinely, I could feel the spirit leaving my body because I just wanted to see, obviously given how the week had planned out and how... Uh, the talk TV people had seeded these clips from it. If there was going to be any other uh, newsworthy lines, uh, there wasn't. There's was basically, like he says, young players don't have the same motivation as, as his generation, et cetera. Um, oh, it's, God, it's insufferable. It's it's just, it's insufferable. stuff. So the the line that he that made me, everybody chuckle, I think, not just me, was that he wants to set an example. Like he wants mm. to lead by example uh, with his experience. I'm like, you walked out on a match with two minutes to go. You've gone public with your lack of respect for the manager and you're basically dumping on the entire club who's paying you 600 grand a week. Um, Not sure how that's setting an example uh, for people, but this is going to reach, I think, one and only end. And Gary Neville indeed believes Manchester United should terminate the contract of Cristiano Ronaldo. The second part of the Portugal Forwards television interview is due to air tonight. And his former captain sees no way back for Ronaldo at Old Trafford.
1: From a club point of view, I think the, the interesting thing is now Cristiano has obviously said what he said. He's come out and basically criticised, whether it be the young players at the club, whether it be Eric Ten Hag, the owners, um, the board. So if you do that in any business, you know if you criticise your line manager, if you criticise your owners, your board... Uh, your executive, then there's obviously no employment uh, going to be there for you in the future. So, I'm um, to be fair at this moment in time, wondering what Manchester United are doing because the reality of it is they know they have to terminate Cristiano's contract, or else they basically open up a precedent so that any player can come and criticise them in the future. So, you know, I, I agree with some of the things that Cristiano has said. Um, and many Manchester United fans will agree with many of the things that Cristiano has said but the reality of it is if you're an employee within a business and you say those things then your employment has to terminate and Manchester United I have no doubt have to do that in the next few days and Cristiano probably wants that as well but it didn't need to end like that they could have come together a few weeks ago and navigated a smooth pathway through what potentially could have been choppy seas to the shore but it's not happened they've both basically gone it looks like but back themselves into a corner
3: well if you want some more Cristiano Ronaldo discussion have a look on our OTB football stream on the podcast Andy Mitten very strong the United We Stand editor and the Athletics uh, Andy Mitten uh, talking about the issue about whether Manchester United should rip up his contract and allow him to just walk now after the World Cup Uh, some news just coming through as well Richard in the last few moments Sadio Mane out for Senegal Uh, most people were looking at them as potential dark horses to get to the knockout stages and maybe to be difficult to defeat but uh, their World Cup prospects have been absolutely rocked by their star player being ruled out now
2: yeah he suffered that injury against Werder Bremen in what was I think Bayern Munich's uh, penultimate game perhaps even their last game in the Bundesliga before everybody went off to Qatar it seems as if it's a ruptured tendon in his legs just uh, below his knee um, it's, it's rotten luck for for Senegal it's rotten luck for Sadio Mane who would have been the standard bearer I guess for them to, to try and get out of what is you know a, a tricky enough group uh, really, um, they would be the, it's, I'd still recommend, I'd still probably think that they'd be the second favourites behind the Dutch uh, in Group B to get out of there and their, their squad isn't without talent, um, even still and isn't without uh, experience either, so hopefully there is enough to get them out of the group, it is an ageing squad and he probably was, you know one of the paceier forwards they're going to have there Shemayla Sars is still one of the people who can probably uh, cause a bit of damage from them up top, but um. God, rotten luck uh, for Sergio Mani on the eve of the World Cup. Uh, Senegal's medical staff confirming this evening that he indeed will play no part in uh, the World Cup. And they opened their campaign on Monday evening against the Netherlands.
3: And just before we go and get ready to go back over to the Viva, Rich, uh, Gianni Infantino hasn't had his own World Cup just yet. His first one is going to be the one in the United States and Canada and Mexico. He inherited uh, both Russia and Qatar, but it would appear that Infantino is going to be around at least for that World Cup and potentially around for the 2031 as well. Yeah, FIFA confirming that Gianni will run unopposed
2: in next year's presidential election. Infantino was originally elected in 2016 to replace the disgraced former president, Sepp Blatter. The Swiss-Italian 52-year-old was elected unopposed in 2019 and will again in March at the FIFA Congress in Rwanda. Uh, This week, the German Football Federation, the DFB, said it won't back Infantino's re-election, although they didn't put forward a proposed candidate to run against him.
3: Rich, we'll chat again a bit later on.